fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try What is going on, Wolfpack? This is the Wolf of Roto Street at Roto Street Wolf on Twitter and the FFBD Pod listeners, where we pave your path to 2019 titles. Welcome to our wide receiver preview, where we're going to run down the top 50 wide receivers in fantasy football and get you ready for your draft. I'm just going to kind of rapid fire through these names, but of course I can pause if you have any type of questions, sit starts, if your draft's coming up, I am happy to answer any of those. And podcast listeners, please make sure you're DMing me. We're going to have our mailbag open in all these episodes and we're going to make sure we do a roundtable after this. So I'm going hard today, but we got all the RSJ boys coming in for the burning questions at the wide receiver position. What do you do with Antonio Brown? How do you rank your top tier? Who should go first overall? All that great stuff. Uh, so we got a jam-packed show, but we're going to start right now. I'm going to bang up my top 50 wide receivers in about 30 minutes here. So let's get fired up. Sonny, Anthony, welcome in. Glad you guys can make it. Ask away any questions you have. But let's get to it. Right here you can see I got five guys in my top tier. And that's essentially saying you can take any of these guys. Devontae Adams at one, Hopkins at two, Odell Beckham at three, Julio at four, and Michael Thomas at five. Any one of those you could justify as your number one overall guy. I'm more partial to the top three, but I know Julio has some real upside. He says he wants to have 3K this year. Uh, But I like Devontae Adams at the top, personally. Why? Because one, the floor could not be higher. I mean, you take this guy's worst game last year, 14 points, and you extrapolate that over a full season, you're still talking about a top 12 wide receiver. His worst game, he literally did not have a single bad game last year. So I love that. The ceiling is also astronomical. When you're the number one target for Aaron Rodgers and he's already said I want to get this guy more targets he had like 170 last year and he's saying he wants to get him more he wants to cross that 200 target threshold sign me up all day he's great in the red zone great touchdown score I love that Uh, but if you justify you want Hopkins because you like the Texans offense you like Deshaun Watson better Fine by me. QB proof too. We mean, talk about high floors. We've seen him get it done with Tom Savage in nobody's his career. If Deshaun Watson can, can continue to progress as a pass catcher and this offense just gets back to those, I mean, they were averaging 40.5 points per game just a couple seasons ago. Hopkins was on pace for like 16 touchdowns. I mean, that could potentially become again. So I, I love Hopkins. think he's a beast. We already saw him score this preseason. Uh, but a lot of people love it. Anthony, you're saying you love can't guard Mike. Uh, I mean, he's just as safe as they come as well. I totally agree with Breeze. They have such a great chemistry. Uh, and he's just the clear alpha there of a great Saints passing attack. But Odell Beckham, if you're talking about the highest ceiling of this tier, it's got to be OBJ. I mean, him and Baker Mayfield are going to marry each other perfectly. Uh, this Odell 
Odell Beckham, I think personally might be the most talented wide receiver in the league. And what he does so well, Baker Mayfield throws to perfection. He's going to give him contested catches that he's never had with Eli. He's not going to sail the ball over his head like Eli has for years and years and years. This is going to be the best quarterback he's played with since ever. And it's going to be an unbelievable result. Plus, they have weapons all over the field. So it's not like you can just sit there and just take Odell Beckham out of the game. You got to scheme for everybody. So I really love Odell Beckham this year. I think he's got the highest ceiling. And honestly, on draft day, I sometimes find myself just taking him first overall. But Adams, to me, the highest floor, highest ceiling combination. Any one of these guys in this tier, though, you can't really go wrong. After the big four workhorses, being Alvin Kamara, uh, Christian McCaffrey, and David Johnson, plus, uh, obviously, Saquon. If you want to go one of these guys, I mean, the safety is so there, other than maybe with Odell, because that injury history. But again, like I said, the ceiling, astronomical. Obviously, if Zeke reports, then you know he's going to be lumped in above these guys. But I would take any one of them above any other running back besides those big four. Uh, Matt, welcome. Anthony, uh, have I changed? Has Tyler Lockett? Oh, I'm going to get to him. Don't you worry, Anthony. I got some great stuff to say on him. So just stick with me because I love him. Um, below those guys, though, round two, I kind of call this tier like my my still. These are like your elite number one target hogs. But right here in tier two, these are still your like you know upside wide receiver ones. Tyree Kill, the number one scorer last year in all of fantasy among wide receivers, humongous ceiling every single week. I mean, nobody can swing a matchup like Tyree Kill. I call him the fantasy wrecking ball because he could just blow through your opponent, blow through a matchup. You might think you're out, and then Monday night football comes around, and he puts up fifty points on the Rams. Like you're you're never out of it when you have a Tyree kill. So if you want to take him above any of those other guys, you know what? I could say, you know, I'll go for it. I'll, why not, right? But ultimately, you know, who knows? Any of you guys, feel free to comment. Guys, obviously a scumbag. Comes with some off-field risk, suspension, all that stuff. So I personally would go any of those safe target hogs. He does have some disappearing acts because he's a little bit more boomer bust. But those booms are so huge that round two, especially if you already have like a nice solid workhorse in your stable, Tyree Kill's unbelievable. You could always make the argument, though, Juju Smith-Schuster belongs over him and maybe any of these other guys ascending to that number one target role in in the Steelers in Pittsburgh. I mean, that's a B. Think about what he's finished as the first, the first, the first, the first, and the fifth wide receiver over the last five years riding in that high-volume offense. Uh, huge aerial pie with Antonio Brown's 15 touchdown and all those yards and targets removed. Juju's all reports ascended very naturally to that number one been much more mature in his approach to the game and just being able to move all over the place, not just the slot where he dominated last year. He's, he's going to develop into a true number one alongside one of the best quarterbacks to play right now. I mean, you want to take him above all, all these guys? I still couldn't argue with you. I love Juju Smith-Schuster coming out this year. And Mike Evans kind of wraps up that tier of really high upside wide receiver ones. Uh, I think, you know, Bruce Arians, no risk it, no biscuit attack. They're going to be chucking the rock. They're going to be chucking it deep. And he had the second most vertical yards behind only Tyreek Hill on plays of more than 20-plus pass yards. This guy can get down the field. He can make all the plays. Bruce Arians is apparently enamored with him. Uh, he said he's going to make him the focal point of that attack. And Godwin, I mean, Evans himself has said, me and Godwin are competing for number one. So we can't act like it's just a locked-in target bath like some of these guys. But ultimately, I love Mike Evans. I've put him right in this tier. Below them in tier three, this is what I call like the last acceptable wide receiver ones. Maybe you've gone horse-horse, which I obviously endorse if you know me 
bell cows all day, baby. But maybe, you know, you've done that and you're just looking at round three. These are the last guys I'd really want at my wide receiver one spot. Now, granted, in my last draft, my hometown league, I went cow, 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 bell cow, bell cow, bell cow, uh, David Johnson, Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones. So I didn't get one of my last acceptable wide receiver ones, unfortunately. But I did, uh, I'll tell you how I played it out when I get to some of these other guys soon. So you look, Keenan Allen, I mean, 90 plus catches in two straight years, just the highest of floors around this tier. I mean, the injury risk, obviously, the ankles flared up. You don't like to see that, but you're so safe. You're so steady. Philly Rivers is always getting it done. They have unbreakable chemistry. You're going to get, you know, 1,300, six-plus TDs and 90 catches from Keenan Allen. T.Y. Hilton, a little more risk these days because Andrew Luck, like, what the fuck's going on? Is that a calf? Is it an ankle? Is it both? Is it, uh, and now he hasn't practiced this week, hasn't practiced all preseason. He's moving around, warming up. There's guarded optimism he's going to be ready. Uh, but man, T.Y. Hilton's take, hit, stock takes a hit. I get a lot of people raving about Jacoby Brissett. He looked great in their preseason game, but you can't even tell me the upside is as close when you have Jacoby Brissett chucking you the rock. Uh, Hilton's game went, you know, he had, I think, four humongous blowups with Brissett and then 10 just useless games. So, I mean, you got to have that in the back of your mind when you're drafting T.Y. Hilton. Wouldn't be more than two or three games, I imagine, Andrew Luck misses, but who knows? I'm not a doctor and we have no idea what the fuck's going on. So, He's become a little bit risky. I, I might even consider moving him below some of these guys, like the Vikings receivers, Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs. I'd be interested to know what you guys, you know, Anthony, Milk, all you boys out there, Sonny, which guy do you have higher among these Vikings receivers? I still have Adam Thielen mm, above Stefan Diggs, but man, is it close. Now, granted, Thielen's looked great this preseason. He's caught two long bombs already from Kirk Cousins. I'm nervous about the end of the season last year after the first 13 weeks where he was the best wide receiver in football for fantasy purposes, at least. I mean, showered in over 10 targets a game. John DeFilippo loves to craft that volume for the slot. He gets fired, though. Kevin Stefanski comes in, brings in Gary Kubiak as well uh, this year. Both very run-centric guys. Thielen's targets dropped from you know over 10 a game to just less than four. four. He had 12 targets across three games, so he had four targets a game. He had under double-digit fantasy points in all those weeks. So that makes me a little nervous. I love that he's seemed uh, a little bit, you know, he seems like he's back these last few weeks. Uh, and it seems like he's still a central part of that offense. But if you wanted to go digs, I wouldn't argue. It looks like, uh, Jordan, you agree with me with Thielen. Uh, And Anthony, I I totally see that. Floor, Thielen, upside digs. That's kind of what I was going to get at is I still think Diggs, we haven't seen the best from him. I mean, he's one of the best route runners in the game, great on contested balls. I think Diggs could truly explode to a level we've never seen. Uh, And you think about some of those past Kubiak wide receiver ones, it's been more of that, you know, Andre Johnson, those alpha contested ball guys, whereas Thielen's great route runner, great separator, tracks balls as well as they come. I feel like Diggs might be a little more crafted to what he likes to do, uh, Stefanski and Kubiak on offense. You see, I have them both neck and neck. I mean, they're both going to feast, and they're really like the only two options. Yeah, Kyle Rudolph, obviously Cook out of the backfield too, but they don't really have any other wide receivers. They don't run a ton of three wide receiver sets, so I like those guys a lot. Now, granted, I would have had above all these guys just a few weeks ago, 
as Antonio Brown. But what the fuck is up with that dude? I mean, I should have seen the signs coming when he went through his blonde mustache psychotic stage. Like, what the fuck was that about? Either way, it doesn't seem like his head's become any clearer. You got the chirotherapy stuff going on with the feet, the blisters. You don't ever want a foot thing going on with your wide receiver, with any player, but especially your wide receivers like Antonio Brown that rely on their shiftiness and their route running and their craft of it. You can't play with you know disgusting, broken feet. It seems like that's not an issue, but now he's complaining about the helmets. He's filed, what, like 18 different fucking grievances to the league? I don't know, man. It'd be hard to trust him as your true anchor. If I already had my wide receiver one and now he's sitting there towards the tail end of three, early four, then absolutely all day. I mean, this guy's still a generational talent that knows how to get it done, that loves the game and works his ass off. So uh, I think he's going to get it figured out eventually. And Gruden loves to throw to his wide receiver one. He's going to craft some amazing plays for AB, but you can't pretend there's not some risk. This team starts 0-7 and he just gets back into his own head games. He has that one game with Derek Carr doesn't throw him the ball. He throws a temper tantrum. I mean, he's throwing temper tantrums about his helmet. Imagine what he's going to do if he has like a zero target day. I don't know. It's a, it's a lot of a migraine type of headache for a player that, yes, he's kind of worth it at times. I still don't know, man. I, it's it's tricky. And that's why he's gone from, you know, above Mike Evans and in this elite tier to now like a last acceptable wide receiver one, ideally your number two. And then we move on to Edelman. I, he might get kind of bumped down to this tier now with Josh Gordon coming back. Um, oh, and Anthony, I hope I answered that question. Does T.Y. stay in the tier if no luck? Probably not. I bet you he bumps down to tier four with Tyler Lockett, who I know you asked about. We're going to talk about him now. But first, Julian Edelman. I mean, look what he did over the playoffs as that number one alpha in this offense. You know, Over 130 yards a game, over 11 targets a game. Why wouldn't he pick up where he left off, especially with Gronk out of the lineup now? Yeah, Gordon comes back, but Edelman, whenever Gronk's been out of the lineup, averages 18 and more fantasy points per game. The wide receiver, 9, when Gronk's been out of the lineup in terms of average points per game. He's going to be the offensive heartbeat. Yeah, they're they're leaning a little more on the run, uh, and it's going to continue to evolve that way. But Edelman and Brady, that bond is just inseparable, and he's so goddamn good. So I love Edelman. I'd be fine with him as my wide receiver one, especially if I went horse, 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 and he's sitting there in round four. I mean, that's the perfect guy. His mustache looks like mine. (laughs) Creeps me out. He makes even more creepy now that you made that comment, too. Uh, Diggs reminds me of Sanders. Yeah, and we're going to talk about Manny Sanders, too, Anthony. I'm glad you brought his name up. We're going to get to him, but he's one of the biggest rides of the preseason. Man, did that guy look good. But the the man of the hour, Tyler Lockett, got a lot of questions about him. And if you haven't listened to any recent podcasts, with you know whether it's with Barrett, whether it's with Elliot, Chris, I, this guy is unbelievable. Some of the sharpest minds in the, the game love him, and I certainly love him, too, whether you consider me one of the sharper ones or not. Tyler Lockett's going to win you some fucking leagues this year. His efficiency stats last year, off the absolute chain. Unbelievable. I mean, in terms of 57th in targets, but 14th in terms of fantasy points. A perfect perfect passer rating whenever he was targeted by Russell Wilson. Uh, unbelievable. And there's so many more, you know, in terms of yards per catch and yards after route run and all this good stuff that tell you this guy had a historically efficient season. And so many people, the people that aren't on the locker train, oh, he's going to regress. He's going to regress. Uh, throw the regression word out there. Yeah, of course he's going to regress. He was fucking perfect. Perfect last year. You're not going to be perfect two seasons in a row. But that just because you regress doesn't mean you can't be better fantasy wise if other factors get better. And obviously, I mean, it seems way.
way too obvious. And the fact that he's not priced this way blows my mind. The volume is going to explode this year. You get Doug Baldwin out of there. He averaged right around 115 targets as the top guy there. That's obviously huge news for Lockett's target share. And then you read the reports from Brock Heward, the uh, the reporter out there in Seattle, saying, I've never seen in 11 years of covering this team, I've never seen them make this concerted of an effort to get the ball into one player's hand as they have with Lockett. He's in the backfield. He's in the slot. He's at X. He's moving all over the place. He's going deep. He's in the intermediate game, which is where he kind of left a little bit to be desired last year. Not a whole lot of intermediate range stuff, but for a guy with insane yard after the catch skills you've seen on punt returns and whatnot, I wonder why he wasn't so active uh, in in the intermediate game and yards after the catch. You imagine a lot more design plays. Uh, And Brock Heward said, I I would be shocked if he doesn't catch 100 balls. If Tyler Lockett catches 100 balls and only regresses about 80% to about 80% of what his efficiency was last year, he's going to be Tyree Kill, maybe even better. So round four, there's nobody I want more, especially at wide receiver, than Tyler Lockett. If he's your number two, you've done a great job already. So Tyler Lockett, I'm a huge fan. Uh, Most people have Amari Cooper ranked up here with these other guys. I'm a little nervous about the the foot thing going on, though. Kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, It just seems to me... I don't know. Cooper has always been so boomer bust and injury prone and whatnot. So to have these little foot issues coming up already puts me a little bit off him. I'm not going to lie about that. And there's another interesting stat. Our guy Scott Barrett from Pro Football Focus. Again, a great podcast if you haven't heard that. Go back and listen to it. Uh, but what he pointed out about Amari Cooper, in the last two years... Over 70% of his production has come in three different games in each year. So, yeah, I mean, you think about that game against the Eagles. He had, like, 50 points. Obviously, won you a week. So, you can't, you know, sit here and complain. But that means he definitely had a ton of busts. If you take, you know, it was ridiculous how many single-point games he had, too. Granted, when he got to the Cowboys, he got a nice steady target flow. He seems to be in a better groove with Dak. I still like Cooper. I just want to know he's 100%. Uh, it's still just a little boomer busty for me to consider a true wide receiver one like these other guys that can you know truly anchor me. It doesn't mean he can't just blow up the season and have 1,610. He, he's got that upside, uh, but still, I, a little bit more boomer bust for me. Uh, Tunes, I see your question. I'm definitely going to get to it after this tier right here. And I call this tier like my elite wide receiver twos. I'm very happy if I leave a draft with two horses. I got my number one in round three, and then one of these guys is my number two in round four or five or so. Uh, I'm very happy. Uh, I love Brandon Cooks, though, but I'm actually going to adjust this literally on the fly with you guys because I drafted on Sunday, and I had this decision staring me at the face in round four, Godwin or Brandon Cooks, and I went Godwin. I mean, 100 potential receptions so Bruce Arians is saying uh, he's going to be in that slot role we've already seen it in the preseason uh, Bruce Arians said this guy's going to play every snap he's never going to come off the field he's been on every single snap so far of Jameis Winston this preseason two wide receivers he's out there with Evans three wide receiver he kicks into the slot and what a terror this guy can be Six one, rangy body great ball skills can leap you know, good vertical uh, he's going to be a terror out of the slot in that Larry Fitz role think about what Larry Fitz did at like age 30 out of the slot. They send him on tons of deep posts, all that stuff. Godwin's going to have insane route design from Bruce Arians out of the slot, who's, again, Bruce Arians, if you didn't hear it the first time, has called him a 100-catch candidate, and it wouldn't shock me if he hits there. Mike Evans has already said, I don't know who's wide receiver one here. I mean, we're competing for that role, me and Godwin. He's looked so goddamn good. He didn't say that exact words. Don't quote me on that. But still, he, he said how great Godwin has looked. Everybody has gushed about it. You see the highlight tapes, all the clips coming out of camp. 
As a number two wide receiver with this explosive aerial pad, I love me some Godwin. I think he would definitely be one of those guys that ascends to the wide receiver one level. And that's a that's a kind of 180-degree turn at early in the offseason. I think it was more about all the hype he was getting. Everybody wanted to suck Godwin off. And I was like, oh, screw him. He hasn't earned it. But then you really look in the, at the situation and his talent and everything, the, the volume, the talent, it's all going to be there. I love Godwin. Uh, so Brandon Cooks, though. I still really like him as well. I, and you see all three Rams receivers at 18, 19, 20. Uh, in case you're trying to count the numbers here, Lockett's at 15, Cooper 16, Godwin 17, Cooks 18, 19, uh, Robert Woods 20, Cooper Cup 21, Kenny Galladay is where we're at right here. And I go all three wide Rams wide receivers in a row just because it is such a great passing offense. I mean, over 30 points per game in the last two years. On average for the Saints, Sean McVay knows what he's doing. And even though it's spread out between three, it's such a consistent volume and they design plays so well for each receiver and what they do well. They Each one of them is going to have great games. So I really like all three of these guys. Um, in particular, I like Cooks the most. He's the most vertical, the most weekly upside, in my opinion. Just get that 60-yard bomb and score. Uh, he averaged the most points out of these guys when all three were on the field as well. 19.5 was better with Cooper Cup on the field instead of off it. Same with Robert Woods. He was better as well. He's the engine. I mean, he had the most targets of all these guys. He's probably the safest, the most consistent floor. I'd love to know what you guys think as, as you're tuned in, what you think of the Rams receivers, who you would take first. Uh, but I go Cooks, Woods, and Cup in that order. We're going to discuss it as an RSJ crew tonight, again, on that burning episode. But let me know what you guys think of these three. Um, then Cooper Cup, I mean, coming off an ACL tear, but Jay Glazer came out yesterday and said he's looked as healthy as he's ever looked. He's testing faster than he tested before the tear. So, I mean, I love Cooper Cup. Uh, he's so silky out of the slot. Great security blanket for Goff. Has great in the red zone, too. I mean, uh, Cooper Cup, what's not to like there? Kenny Galladay falls at the bottom here, and I'm a little bit lower uh, then the ECR on Kenny Galladay. Stara Bevel is such a run-heavy coordinator. He's only had 3,000-yard receivers in 12 years of calling plays. Uh, Galladay is a supreme talent. 6'3", moves well, can leap. Like He's got that typical X, target me, pepper me style build. But I don't know. It just doesn't seem, you know, Marvin Jones had just as many targets. Kenny Galladay only really blew up when Jones and Golden Tate had both been removed. And now that Jones is going to be back, who Stafford preferred in the red zone, there's just a little bit to be skeptical about with Kenny Galladay. I'm, I'm lower than the consensus on him. Someone I'm not lower on the consistence, and now we move into tier five, which I call like the elite wide receiver threes, the last acceptable twos. But I mean, I don't want these guys as my twos. This is where I really lean on for my my wide receiver three. The one at the top here, Robbie Anderson. We'll go down the list, and I'll kind of break down a few of them, huh? 22, Robbie Anderson. 23, Josh Gordon. We'll make sure to talk about. Actually, Tunes, let me get to your question. With Juju likely to draw the top corner, more coverage with Brown, he still play like last year? I think it's a great question, Tunes, and that's the concern a lot of people cite with Juju Smith-Schuster. An awesome question again. Uh, my response to that was he averaged over you know three points more per game with Brown out of the lineup at 19.5 points per game. It's compared to you know 16.5 or so with Brown in the lineup. So he's already handled it. He scored in all three games without Brown throughout his career. So yes, uh, Juju can absolutely handle number one coverage. He has before, and he's only developed further as a wide receiver this offseason. So yes, Coons, I'm, I'm not worried about that. Initially, that was kind of my concern. He's now a bigger focal point, whatnot. 
I'm not anymore. He's he's going to dominate it. Uh, and who is being drafted outside the top 20 that will finish as a wide receiver one? Well, Robbie Anderson. Let's start with him. Number 22 here on my board. Because it goes around 28 to 30 on most boards. I absolutely love this guy. I mean, he was the wide receiver three with Sam Darnold last year when Sam Darnold came back from injury for those last four weeks. That bond was inseparable. He peppered him, and they made great plays. We picked up right where we left off in the preseason the other day. Three targets, 32 yards, beautiful back shoulder catch. He's been the team high, like target magnet. It's just going to be a great show again. And what I love about this offense and Darnold's season year two, one, he just looks like he's taken that step and he's just better. Uh, but two, they've been moving at a great pace. 48% of the time, they've used no huddle. And that's a departure from what Gase did. It was only 15% in Miami where he purposely kind of slowed the game down. This is where he's tried to speed it up because he has the quarterback and the weapons he likes. They've talked a lot about expanding Robbie Anderson's route tree, and he's just become a much more complete route runner, a lot more screens. A lot, you know, he's always been pegged as this deep threat, but they're really trying to expand that role and get him in more, more diverse style routes. So I love Robbie Anderson and the way they're using him. 23 comes in at Josh Gordon. I mean, what can you say? Without Gronk in the lineup, this guy averaged over 18 fantasy points a game last year with the Pats. Averaged 11 over his span in New England, but that included two games where he was just learning the offense, barely played 30% of the snaps. You wipe those out of there, he hovered right around 14, 15, right around a top 20 wide receiver. Now he gets more time to develop that rapport with the GOAT, uh, best to ever play the game, Tom Brady. They really loved him last year. He was you know, targeted relentlessly. The games without Gronk, I think it was like 8, 14, and 7. I mean, he was peppered and shouted with those looks and I think he's going to you know pick up right where he left off and you, you remove Gronk you remove Chris Hogan they're going to need a field stretcher and Gordon can do that as well as anybody what a gazelle what an absolute stallion out there uh, so I'm, I'm a huge fan of him uh, below him Mike Williams he's an interesting one that's a tricky name because only like 40 or so catches plenty of games under three catches last year and usually you want a higher volume guy uh, in terms of wide receivers but also 10 touchdowns I mean a machine in the red zone now does that regress with um with what's his name Hunter Henry coming back probably I mean Hunter Henry throughout his career Philip Rivers has targeted tight ends unbelievably a ridiculous high rate I think it was 42 percent just two seasons ago which was tops in the league and then there was 35 percent last year and that was with nobody so I mean there's got to be that worry that his touchdowns regressed which was a huge part of his value even still, though, I mean, Mike Williams is a beast. There's also that also chance that maybe he just takes the step as a receiver and becomes elite. Maybe he overtakes Keenan Allen for the number one because he's built like a true alpha. Uh, he's flashed some of those skills before. So it's kind of the equal ends of the spectrum, right? Could he regress and go back, or could he just take that next step? Alshon, I mean, he was a beast when uh, before Golden Tate arrived. He had over 20 points in three of the five games, and the ones he didn't, he was facing Ramsey uh, and, and Rhodes close, Xavier Rhodes, over in Minnesota. So two elite corners shut him down. They shut down everybody. So, uh, you know, you toss those out. He had three 20-point games in his other ones. But then you now, you know, that was without Golden Tate. Now Golden Tate showed up and whatnot. You look at the guys they brought in. So when he faced target competitions where it became an issue, they bring in J.J. Arcega, Whiteside. They bring in Deshaun Jackson. Dallas Goddard's apparently taking the next step. So as much as I like Alshon as a player and a physical specimen, uh, I don't know. Calvin Ridley, a boomer bust guy. So many of his points came on just a couple games last year, but... 
Who's to say he doesn't get more consistent volume? There's a lot of good stats about how Dirk Cutter's number two averaged in, you know, X amount of targets, so many more than what Calvin Ridley, who points per target wise, had a ton of it was one of the higher efficiency ratings. Now you you know you throw in three, four more looks a game. That's really going to help Calvin Ridley spike. You look at, think about those, you know, Roddy White and Julio Jones days where they both were right around 115, 120 targets each year. So I, I could see Calvin Ridley coming in some nice volume and beating this ranking. In fact, I kind of talked myself into liking him a little more than Alshon Jeffrey here. Now, here's an interesting name I want to spend just a little time on AJ Green. That's the guy I ended up drafting in round six on Sunday after going horse, horse, horse. Receiver, receiver, Godwin, Cooper Cup. I then took AJ Green as my third receiver. Now, we already know he's going to miss time at the beginning of the year, so you have to have your insurance policy. You have to have a guy that you know can fill in for we don't know how long. It's, it's an in, indetermined amount of time. I suck if he ends up on the PUP or IR and you're missing six or eight games. That would suck. But in the, the flip side, Zach Taylor bringing in this new offense, very McVay influenced too. Obviously, we've seen how these Rams receivers dominate, and none of them are built like A.J. Green, who when he's healthy, when he's right, there's very few receivers. I mean, this is like a Julio Jones level type of talent, A.J. Green. Of course, injuries are the big rub here, but if he gets healthy, let's say three, four weeks in, you're getting a, a wide receiver one, going to be used better than he's ever been used in his career, injected into your lineup. It's going to be a, a huge stress, especially if you can find someone that fills in well. And look at some of these names. You could have Jarvis Landry, 28. I think he's going to be better off this year. I know Odell comes there. He's no longer the number one, but this is one of those guys that's actually helped when he has a, a true number one alongside him, especially someone with deep speed that can get those safeties back. Last year, they could just sit and bracket him. Uh, it, it, they knew no one on that team could really challenge them vertically, and it shut down Jarvis Landry. I think this year he's going to find a lot more room to do what he does best, and that's run after the catch. Tyler Boyd, I have a little bit lower than I began the offseason with because he's just not nearly as good with A.J. Green. I mean, it, it, everything dropped by you know, 30 yards and three, four fantasy points a game, and his scoring even went down. You'd think, similar to Jarvis Landry, how I just talked about, you'd think he'd be better as a true alpha number one hog, but that wasn't the case. He did not respond well to number one coverage and number one corners. He ended up getting shut down a, a lot easier by opposing defenses. So a very talented guy, but I am nervous about his time away You know, until A.J. Green is back. So not quite as high, but he is kind of like a Robert Woods clone. And again, Zach Taylor bringing that offense in could be some nice music for that guy. So maybe I'm a little too low on Boyd. We'll see. But the hype train itself here, Mr. Curtis Samuel, clearly I'm all aboard having him above DJ Moore right here. I love Curtis Samuel. I mean, every report, offseason MVP, better releases, became, I mean, you went from an athlete to a receiver. And when we talk about athleticism, Few people are as explosive as this guy. I mean, Tyree Kill level, speed down the field. But then it, you, you mix in the fact that he was a hybrid, a running back receiver at Ohio State. This guy could make everyone miss in a phone booth type of moves. And, and now he's really developed into a true wide receiver one. And of course, you hear all this gushing praise from coaches and beat writers and the, the team. But then you also hear from Travis White, one of the best corners in the league over at the Bills after joint practice, saying this was one of the toughest covers you know I've ever had. I love when I hear elite corners tell me that they had a hard time with the guy. So I, I love Curtis Samuel. I think he brings a ton of table. I see some questions coming in, so I'll address those right when I get through this tier. Right below him is Will Fuller. I mean, humongous upside. He's been a, a wide... He's only played 11 games, so I mean, that's the risk here with Deshaun Watson. He misses time pretty much religiously. You could set your clock to the fact that this guy, Will Fuller, is going to miss some time this year. But when he's played, I mean, 6 of 11 games have been over 20 points, have been wide receiver 10 or better 
games and really only two busts out of those 11 games, only two below 14 points. So, I mean, this guy has been elite when he's on the field uh, and he gets another offseason. Nobody is like better when Deshaun Watson buys some time scrambling a little bit and you give Will Fuller in his 4-3 speed just that extra second. He launches it, flicks the wrist. I mean, you, how many times have we seen that? And it's just going to keep happening whenever he's on the field. He is a dangerous threat to score 20 or more points. So that's kind of a guy, if, if I draft, let's say, A.J. Green round six, I think Will Fuller's the absolute perfect bridge guy. Uh, you know you probably get two to three games at least out of him. And you know they're going to be 20, 25 pointers. And then A.J. Green comes right in and fills that spot right back for six, seven. Uh, I'm a huge fan of that. Allen Robinson, a guy I'm lower on than the ECR, just they spread the ball out so much there, and I get that he's healthy and he's looked like a true number one. Uh, he's looked much better this offseason, but uh, it's just Allen Robinson doesn't excite me because of Mitch Trubisky, because I think David Montgomery takes a, a big share of that offense this year. Hey, you know, they've already talked. Nagy himself has said, we don't have a true number one. We just play the matchups and whoever it dictates. It's not going to be a lot of people with that recency bias. That Eagles game, everybody beat the Eagles. The other game he blew up against the Lions, Darius Slay was out. He's never really done it against elite corners since way back in 2015. We've all been chasing that Allen Robinson at 22 with Blake Bortles type season, but it just doesn't, ugh, that's not my guy. Guy that I've ended up bumping down, who I had, you know, right at the top of this list is Christian Kirk. Not because I'm worried about the air raid. I think the air raid is still going to be an excellent offense this year. I can't wait to see what Cliff Kingsbury unveils. I, I'm so excited. But more so because he's only played 13 snaps of, of 29 with the starters. I don't know what's up with that. Uh, they've come in the slot, but then Larry Fitzgerald's taken him out. And he comes... I, I don't know what his role is. Keyshawn Johnson, apparently more impressive in camp so far. I, I draft a uh, you know, six-round rookie is outplaying him. As much as I love Kirk and think he could spearhead this air raid, I still do. He's got experience in it from college. A great route runner, can move in and outside. He has that versatility you'd want for an air raid receiver. It's, it's making me a little bit more nervous to draft this guy. Uh, and, and DJ Moore down here, that's more because of Curtis Samuel's emergence. I still love Moore. Is just, you know, I talk about explosiveness with Curtis Samuel just as much as explosiveness with DJ Moore. I just think Samuel becomes the more complete receiver and kind of takes that number one role. But you're still going to have plenty of huge games from DJ Moore, especially after Cam Newton's kind of evolved as a passer and is more willing for those short dink and dunks where he lets his receivers do the damage. I think Moore had, what, the, the second most yards after the catch last year? You're going to see plenty more of that racked up. All right, let's see what kind of questions we have. What round would you expect to see Gordon drafted? When does he become a steal? See, I'd take him anywhere in round six. So anywhere there, you know, six and beyond, I think is great value on Josh Gordon. You might even see him fall as far as 10, and then you're like, wow, that's an absolute steal tunes. Uh, so that's where I consider Gordon, though, starting in round six. If Robbie Anderson's gone, that's my first look. If he's gone, then I look at Josh Gordon, just the upside, astronomical. Do you keep Williams in the ninth, ninth PPR? I mean, yeah, it's great value. I draft him in the, the sixth or so round, so you're gaining three rounds. But Pete, let me know who else is an option. Uh, unless it's just like it's him or I just throw him back out there. I don't really have anyone else. But yes, I would keep uh, him in the ninth round for sure. Tom, my man, Danger Close. Glad you could tune in. Still got to get you that mock draft done. Uh, you're my guy. Got some capital divas in Cleveland with Mayfield and Beckham. If they start losing, watch the soap opera. It's an interesting point. I mean, I, there's, everything's so roses and it's going to be all Cleveland this year, right? Uh, but what if it does become a diva central and they blow up? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it totally could become a mess. Um, 
So it's CJ asking, can't wait for Fuller's and Unreal 7 games before he dies, per usual. Yeah, we just already kind of covered that, right? Like, we know we know he's going to die at some point. Why are you so low on Gallup, Link asks. It's not really that I'm low on him. I might just have him lower in these rankings than I probably should. He probably does belong, Link. And I'm glad you pointed out. That's kind of why I do this show is maybe I have a mistake or two in here. And Gallup looked great so far this preseason. Some of those catches he made, very high degree of difficulty. And if Cooper's injuries flare up, Gallup has looked like he maybe will take that next step. So you're right. Maybe I, maybe he belongs more in this kind of tier right here uh, with these top you know 50 or so elite bench guys. I like Gallup, and I know you're a Dallas guy, so Link, comment in. Let me know what your thoughts are on him, uh, why I should be higher. I could be swayed because I do like the talent. I don't know how high volume this passing attack will be. Let's say Zeke doesn't show up, then I think that's a nice little bump for Gallup. Uh, it means more of a pass-centric offense, in my opinion. Uh, and Kellen Moore, a lot more no huddle, a lot faster pace is what the rumors are out of camp. So I could be sold. Give me your give me your case link. Write it in. Comment in. Let me know why I should be higher on on Michael Gallup. Uh, and then Pete asking, just him, nobody else. So I'll def keep. Yeah, why not keep him? Right. Like at that point, um, I, I'm happy to keep him. 14 teamer. So yeah, ninth round for him. Great value. Uh, Sam, dad doesn't have the guns to show off the tank, so I can't give up that precious merchandise for somebody with uh, such weak pipes. I need him to do 100 push-ups this night before I, uh, I give him a tank top. I need to see a little bit more muscle out of those arms. Um, but I do love the poof, so nonetheless. All right, let's wrap this up because I do have my round table in about nine minutes with the RSJ boys, so I got 15 more guys to cover. Nine minutes, let's rapid fire through them. Larry Fitzgerald, 100-catch candidate in that air raid offense. Uh, you know, Drew Hollingshead, who played under Mike Leach, who played un- he was the uh, played with Cliff Kingsbury, he was his head coach. He said Larry Fitz is tailor-made for this offense because of his route savviness, his reliability, his sure hands, and just his ability to feel out defenses. Huge fan of Larry Fitzgerald, so uh, I love him. I might be a little low here on him because who knows who's the true number one. I just see such a low-volume aerial pie with the Lions that I don't really want him or Galladay. There's other guys where Jones goes and there's other guys where Galladay go. I just have a higher than him. But as, in terms of talent, I mean, this guy is acrobatic and makes some great catches. Just not my guy. I'd probably rather even have Deshaun Jackson, deep threat. They're saying it's been automatic in camp. Him and Wentz, the deep ball, translated from OTAs where it was just just on point all day. Uh, they work together every day after practice to build that chemistry. So I'm a, I'm a huge Deshaun Jackson guy. Still, you know, the active leader in yards per, per catch. I think it's like 16.9 or something to that. One of the best deep threats. He ran, you know, over 20 miles per hour more than any other player last year. He still has it. If your question is, does this guy still have the deep speed, then just end those concerns now. He still has it. Wentz has one of the best deep arms. Uh, I love Deshaun Jackson. He's still going to do it. Didi Westbrook, you know, playing that slot over 70% of the time with the Jaguars last year. John DeFilippo, you might have heard me rave about it earlier. Adam Thielen last year led the league in targets out of the slot. Nelson Aguilar the year before with the Eagles had his breakout season, his one useful year out of the slot under DeFilippo. So, I mean, is that going to now help D.D. Westbrook ascend? Quite possibly could. His five touchdowns out of the slot last year were the most in the league. Maybe better usage. You get Nick Foles, who has a history of peppering those slot weapons. Uh, history with John DeFilippo, who's peppered those slot weapons. I think this offseason's been fantastic for D.D. Westbrook. Reports are he's been the star of camp, makes a routine play, uh, makes the, the huge plays look routine by the day. So I, I'm a big fan of D.D. Of Westbrook. Sterling Shepard, 
I like, too, especially if Daniel Jones can ascend. The reason I don't like him is Eli Manning. Eli Manning fucking sucks. He's useless. But Daniel Jones has looked really, really good. Now, maybe it's just the preseason, but the balls this guy made, the throws he's thrown, I mean, back shoulder and hitting receivers in stride and just it spins so beautifully off his arm. I mean, my only concern is how stubborn these owners are being. They keep saying, we really hope that Daniel Jones doesn't make a start this entire year, which, again, blows my mind that you reach for him at six, but you don't want to get him in there over Eli Alicia Manning. Awful, uh, awful quarterback. So until Eli's gone, I can't be that high on Shepard. But if and when Daniel Jones takes over, I could see Shepard exploding. Uh, he's had a couple big seasons in his early career and you know you move Bodell Golden Tate suspended for four weeks I think him and Evan Ingram really just get bathed in targets because this Giants team is going to suck they're going to be playing from behind quite a bit Sammy Watkins uh, I'm very significantly lower on than the expert rankings Yes, he's in the Chiefs offense. Yes, he's technically the number two in this offense. And surefire thing, he is absolutely talented. Uh, he's been an alpha wide receiver one back with Buffalo and different teams. With Tyrod Taylor, he's gotten it done. Can you not get done with Mahomes? Uh, I mean, not really. He's the number four probably on the target total poll when you consider Travis Kelsey, the running back, Tyree Kill. And, you know, that's led to some blow-up games as the number two when he's got no defensive attention and he streaks right through him. But ultimately, like, I mean, he's just so boomer bust. And you got to, of course, consider the injury concerns. You can't feel great about Sammy Watkins. I just don't see it. You know, why stomach those injury risks when there's better upside like a guy? Maybe like Dante Moncrief, number two in the Steelers. He's played nine of 14 snaps with the starters this season so far in the preseason. They, they, you know, James Washington, as good as he's looked, he's only played one snap with the, the first-team offense. So Moncrief, if he has that job on lock... 220 targets available, 225, over 40% with Antonio Brown, Jesse James gone, the running back gone too. There's a lot of volume up for grabs, and this guy, 6'3", runs a 4'4", has a 40-inch vertical. I mean, he had 12 touchdowns in his 14 games with Andrew Luck, but since then he's had Brissett and fucking Blake Bortles chucking rocks over his head. So, I mean, Moncrief definitely in a much better situation. Rapid firing through these last guys. Crowder labeled a 100-catch candidate out of camp. Him and Darnold have apparently had unbelievable chemistry. They're they're saying he's going to be a reception animal is what the athletic calls him. Valdez, Scantling, obviously, just built like a, a freak playing as the number two. He's clearly taking a next step according to Rodgers, playing up to his speed, and he's a fast Fast man, 4-3 speed. So if he's playing like that in the games, that's great. But right below him, Geronimo Allison, the slot receiver there. Kind of the more reliable guy, has an established rapport with Rodgers. So tons of upside there. Corey Davis, I absolutely hate. I think he's garbage. I think he's the most overrated wide receiver in fantasy. He couldn't get it done last year when he was legit the only guy that, that was getting targets. And now he gets more competition from Humphreys and from Marquise Brown and from Delaney Walker returning. Not going to get it done because he sucks. Mariota sucks. Nothing to worry about there. Just don't draft Corey Davis for the love of God. Don't do it. Cortland Sutton. I think Manny Sanders is the true number one. Did we talk about him? Where is he? Oh, Manny Sanders. I somehow skipped him. Absolutely love what Manny Sanders showed the other night. Looks fully healthy. 19-yard run. Blew through the defense and, and had like a 35-yard touch. I called back on a penalty, he showed that he's got that explosiveness still. I mean, 32 coming off an Achilles, you got to worry about him overcompensating or a re-risk of injury. But when you can get him after pick 100, one of my favorite steals of the draft. I'm all for it. Uh, Dante Pettis, I'm clearly lower on the experts, about 10, 15 spots lower. I just don't think he emerges as the number one. He hasn't done it yet. They're saying he has to earn his role, and Debo Samuels continues to make the plays instead of Pettis. 
I think it's I think it's the Debo and the Jalen Hurd show eventually. Just uh, maybe no, maybe I'm wrong. He had over 18 fantasy points per game in his four starts at the end of the season. I was ready to be on the Pettis train, but he just hasn't shown up in the preseason. His practices have been inconsistent. A lot of ball security, a lot of drops. Not not my my type of guy. John Brown, great deep threat with a quarterback that averaged the most yards per attempt. Uh, in deep ball yardage, all that good stuff. Got a cannon arm with Josh Allen. Their chemistry has reportedly been fantastic throughout camp. That's a 49. And now we're at 50. I'll go, you know, 50. Debo Samuel, 45-yard rush, 60-yard reception. Just looks like a big play waiting to happen. I think he takes over Pettis for that number one role. Maybe has a, a blow-up season. You can get him for so late. Washington, the number two role. We just raved about from Moncrief. Maybe Washington does jump ahead. He's looked great this preseason. 78 yards of score, 80 yards of touchdown. This guy has looked fantastic, but he was a preseason hero last year and then just fizzled out during the season. So I don't know how I feel about him. And then Kiki Cutie, unbelievable talent. Had 11 receptions first NFL game that's an NFL record for a rookie but then he just gets injured and injured and injured and injured and injured just like Will Fuller none of these guys other than Hopkins can seem to stay on the field but man when you have that many 11 catch games 14 target games as a fourth round rookie there's something special and they were saying in camp this guy seemed like he was going to take that next step so once you have your four guys set if, if Kiki's still suiting up there he has a lot more upside than a lot of these guys Alrighty, folks, I have a 7 o'clock Roto Street roundtable with the wide receiver position. A lot of burning questions to address. So this is the first half of the podcast. If you want to hear that roundtable, you can make sure to listen to that podcast. should probably drop tomorrow if my man Nat's on top of his things. Um, we're going to try to get one more roundtable. We'll combine tight ends and QBs uh, probably next Wednesday. Um, we'll see though. I'll get the date definitely lined up for you guys. Um, but if you have a draft this weekend, you know where to find me at Roto Street Wolf. You can hit our DMs here on Twitter. I'm going to be in Denver, but I'm going to still obviously check it in the mornings and whatnot. I know, you know, my brother's got his draft coming up, so I'll be paying attention. I'm happy to answer questions throughout the weekend. We're about to drop our guide. We have tons of technical difficulties getting it live, but I spent the last three days updating it. So it's literally up to the minute. We're going to obviously add all the preseason week three dress rehearsal notes we pick up. Uh, we've got all the bargains, penny stocks, all that good stuff that you've come to love that we talked about Mahomes last year, McCaffrey as a riser, all that good stuff. That's coming out hopefully this weekend. We're going to have a busy night tonight trying to get it up, but hopefully <laughs> I have a busy night trying to get it up. Yeah, that's what she said. Uh, but yeah. Hopefully that guide is up by the end of the weekend. Alrighty, Wolves. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for your comments. I am going to leave now for that roundtable. Tune into the podcast. And until next time, best of luck in your drafts. Let's dominate it. Let's get you that title this year. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Football right there, folks.